If you've heard me preach often, you've probably witnessed my bad habit of choosing the most difficult text to preach on. Every Sunday, the lectionary, which is a kind of Bible schedule for preachers, serves up four possible texts, and I always seem to go for the hard ones. It drives me crazy. At the same time, it's irresistible. My loving coach, husband has coached me, saying, well, would it be possible to preach an easy sermon this week? And every once in a while, I'll try it. But no matter how I try, it seems the call of my heart is to wrestle with these weird scripture passages. The scripture passage that Sewan read today is weird. Jesus is going, stay awake. I'm going to surprise you, just like the blood surprised all the people in Noah's time. I'm, I'm going to come back when you least expect it. Stay on your toes. I don't know. This apocalyptic stuff really isn't central to the way I talk about Christ or the way I think about God. And it's all just so scary and dramatic and a little anxiety provoking. These words from Jesus seem like he's throwing every available metaphor into service. A flood, sure. A robber, sure. Everything to scare us into being spiritually awake. And it can give you nightmares if you take it literally. That part about how two people will be working together and one will be taken and the other one will be left? What even is that? He doesn't explain either. He just drops the metaphor and leaves it. Well, it is traditional to read this kind of passage in Advent. We always start the Advent season with some good, scary, apocalyptic stuff. But I must say, I'm having a strong reaction to it. I have all these questions. My questions are, is this relevant? This stuff about Jesus coming back and a thief in the night, does this matter to us modern progressive Christians? And is this useful? Is there any purpose to it other than making people scared? And is Jesus really trying to scare us into doing what he wants us to do? It doesn't sound like his style. Is this authentic Jesus? I have all these questions about scripture, and to be honest, to most of them, I just want to yell, no! No, it's not relevant. No, it doesn't matter. No, it's not useful. And no, the real Jesus would not try to scare us like that. I personally think the world is scary enough without needing Jesus to scare us more, especially in these days of the climate crisis. It's chaotic enough out there. And maybe it's because I'm having such a strong negative reaction, just wanting to shout no, but as I wrestled with these questions, I kept coming back to the idea that maybe there's more to it than just yes or no. It would be easier, wouldn't it, if we could just look at everything in the world and be like, this statement is true and this statement is false. Have some kind of binary system, yes or no, off or on, zeros or ones, and trust that everything in the world would be one or the other. You could put these st statements, these scriptures, through the test and get a clear answer. But I think there's more to life than yes and no. So come with me as I proclaim that we need to have a non-binary advent this year. 
an Advent season where we live in the in-between, the gray areas between black and white, the decimals between zero and one, where you take all these questions about the scripture and you answer them with something other than a flat no. The concept of being non-binary is not new, even though the word might be new to some of us. A transgender person who identifies as gender non-binary is often a person who, when asked, so are you male or female, they don't have an answer with one of those two, but instead they might answer you with a story. It's a spiritual journey of discovery to realize that you're not this or that, but something else, or maybe something between, or maybe both at the same time. It's harder. But for many people, it expresses their true self in a way that picking one of just two available genders could never do. Being non-binary is about finding a true self that doesn't fit into one box or the other. And because you have to think outside the box, it requires some real spiritual work. It requires you to go to the heart of who you truly are. In a way, being non-binary is like trying to chart a career that nobody's ever done before. Maybe you know that you don't want to be a nurse and you don't want to be a therapist, but you feel a calling to do something right in the middle of those two and be an integrated mind-body healthcare practitioner. Be so much easier to just choose one of the other and you get a job in an established field that pays you. But in a case like this, if you want to have that higher integrity and truly listen to the calling of your heart, you might have to forge a new path. So being non-binary in the way I'm, not, I'm using it today is not really just about your gender. It's about awakening to a deeper reality where the truth you're seeking is something between or beyond yes and no. You can't go on autopilot for this. You have to find your way. It's hard work to awaken to that deeper reality, and it's hard to find those complex answers. It's easier, of course, if you can have a quick answer. But at the same time, it is good spiritual work because it requires you to go to the heart of what is ultimately true. Who truly are you? So let me take a stab at answering my early questions about the scripture with something other than no, with a non-binary answer. So is this stuff about Jesus coming back like a thief in the night relevant? Well, I could say it's not very relevant. It used to be relevant, and so much has changed since then. It was very, very relevant to the early church. Imagine being one of the generation that had seen Jesus alive and had experiences of him in his resurrection, and then you went on to live another 40 years or so. So you'd have such powerful experiences of Jesus, bringing the kingdom of God to reality. You had transformation and you had new life, but the world around you did not. If the kingdom of God was really at hand, then why was the Roman Empire still oppressing you? Answer that. And so you held on to the belief that Jesus' work was only begun and not 
finished. And Jesus would come back and complete that work. The kingdom would come. And then because people got started getting obsessed about exactly when that would happen, you remembered and repeated these sayings about how you can't tell when. It will happen by surprise. Now, so much has changed since then. So many generations have come and gone, so it is less relevant today. But it's helpful for us to remember why it was relevant then. And in a way, we're still in kind of the same situation. We can see the kingdom of God breaking into our lives. And we know that it's not complete, that we still long for more. And Advent is about that, hoping, longing, and wanting more. So another question. Is this scripture useful? Is there any good purpose to talking apocalyptically except for giving people anxiety? So if I take the challenge and try to give a non-binary answer, I think, yeah, it's sometimes useful. It can be useful for a purpose, especially if your audience is complacent, right? This kind of language that yells, wake up like a prophet, is something we need to hear today for the sake of the climate. Too many of us are still complacent about the huge societal changes needed to deal with the climate crisis, and we need to hear a prophet who says, like Jesus, wake up, look around you. Do you see the floods, the snowstorms, the record temperatures, the fires? Wake up to the cries of the earth. And we need to hear about that existential uncertainty, too. We need to hear someone say, you don't know when the tipping point will be. You don't know when it's going to be too late. Prepare yourselves now. Act now. And then one more question about the scripture. Is this authentic Jesus? It doesn't sound like gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's such a fear monger here. And though I'd love to shout no, I have to admit that this probably is very authentic. Jesus was a preacher who used apocalyptic language to declare that the kingdom of God was coming and warning that the powers that were oppressing their people, that another, greater, more righteous power would come and overturn them, turn the tables. And so it does make sense to hear Jesus say, the kingdom of God is coming any moment, any day. Be ready. But does Jesus really say he would come like a thief in the night? If I could be a nitpicker, please, I'd like to be a nitpicker. I, he's not actually saying that he is the thief in the night, just that he will return like a thief in the night. Maybe that makes a difference. It's possible that he contradicts himself. But in John chapter 10, he's well known for the I am the good shepherd passage. Jesus specifically says he's not a thief. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So what do we do with this scary stuff then? A non-binary answer would be that Jesus was and is the gentle good shepherd. But Jesus was also at the same time an apocalyptic preacher. At times, he tried to comfort us, and at other times, he tried to scare us into waking up. 
Sometimes he gathered the children to him and blessed them, and sometimes he flipped tables over in the temple. You can't reduce him to one flat character. He was deep and complex. He was out of the box. And I think of the metaphor of the flood, not just because it's raining, but it's all too real in these days of climate change. Remember how Jesus said that Noah's flood came by surprise and swept them away. It makes me think about storms and about whether we can find God in the chaos. I remember a storm that happened one night when I was a camp counselor in Virginia. We had to evacuate our campsite, and I remember how close we came to tree limbs coming down across our path as we ran for shelter. And one could look at a situation like that and say, God was in the storm. You know, in the book of Job, how God thunders from the whirlwind in power and majesty. And it was a majestic storm that night. The thunder was loud. The rain was drenching. And it came on us as suddenly as a thief in the night. And it is right to stand back in awe at the power of nature and to say, God is that awesome and more. But that storm was also cruel and indifferent and casually destructive. So to me, with a mind for the young campers in my charge that night, I would not tell them God was in the storm, though it's theoretically true and God is indeed everywhere. In Godly Play last week, the kids made a game out of it. God's in that light. God's in your shoe. And so, yes, God is in the storm. But God is not, well, God's not attacking you, even if the storm is. That would be inconsistent with the loving nature of God. So a non-binary look at that story would say that, yes, God was in the storm. But more importantly, God was there in other ways, too. God was on the radio, in the voice of the camp director, telling us where to go and how quickly. God was in the lodge, ready to embrace us with warm, dry blankets. And God was in us, in our fear, our vulnerability that night. God was a lot of places, not just in the storm cloud. Jesus is a lot of things, not just a fearmonger. Well, having a non-binary advent means that we've got to hold these many true things in tension. And that's hard work, so we've got to wake up. Just like for the early Christians, they lived in this tricky tension between Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth and the kingdom of God is not yet fulfilled. We've got to be alert to stay in that middle ground and walk these spiritual tightropes. We've got to stay awake. So I wish you today a non-binary Advent. I wish you a complicated Advent, an Advent full of rich mystery, of contradictions and impossibilities and questions. I wish you more questions than answers. And don't hurry to answer them. Live within the longing. Be patient 
with all that you long for, and don't shut it down with easy answers. Wait for this complicated Christ child who is coming to start something new. Amen.